your host, and our show is about exploring a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us connected, get us more aware, and perhaps gaining a wider perspective. Today, I'm very excited because we have our Eastside Freedom Library series. Uh, our good friend, Peter Ratcliffe, is our co-host today. Welcome. Thank you, Lori. Good morning. Good morning. For those who have just tuned in and may have not heard of the Eastside Freedom Library and haven't joined us for the other shows, just want to let folks know that the first Saturdays of the month, starting in January, we will be featuring all kinds of cool things that are happening in the Eastside, and in particular, what programs are being hosted at the Eastside Freedom Library. It's the home of the former Arlington Hills Library. It's one of those cool, historic Carnegie Library buildings. Uh, it's off of Greenbrier Street, and that's in the Payne-Fallon area. It's that uh, neighborhood in the east side. The mission of the Eastside Freedom Library is to inspire solidarity, activate, um, advocate for justice, and work towards equity for all. It houses an amazing non-circulating research collections. When you walk in there, this is a huge um, <laughs> collection of civil rights, labor, history, collections from all kinds of wonderful people who have left their um, their beautiful books and, and um, art for all of us to enjoy. So Peter, thank you for joining us today. I'm very happy to be here. One of the cool things that you've done recently that I want to talk about on our show is supporting the Park Square doing the play The Agitators. You were their dramaturg. Right, um, which is a kind of extension of my being a historian. And I wanted to provide, and Signe asked me to provide, uh, historical context, background, informational material, about both Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass and about the times in which they lived. So we put together a big fat notebook and I teased the actors that uh, I would be giving them a quiz at the end. Um, the real quiz is what they do on stage. Um, and they have passed with flying colors. That's wonderful. Well, backing up a little bit, The Agitators is a play uh, written by Matt Smart, who will be joining us a little later on the show. And it was directed by Signe V. Haraday, who invited our friend Peter, who was a McAllister professor for many years. For many years. In history. Um, this is a historical drama. It's a regional premiere. It's going on from September 21st to October 28th. And it does feature the story of Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. Um, I had not known before hearing about the play that they were friends. I think there are lots of things about both of them as individuals and about their complex long-term relationship that most of us don't know about. It's one of those what we call untold stories. Uh, kids don't learn very much about it uh, in school. Um, we had the recent uh, concern that uh, it appeared that the 45th president thought that Frederick Douglass was still walking among us. Alive and well. If only, if <laughs> yes, only. Yes, um, yes. Although the play does ask us to consider who are the agitators among us uh, in our present. You bring up a good point because even last night there was another revisionist history presented by our, our president. Um, it's scary when history is being told in a different way. I mean, how do you feel about that as a historian when 
blatant lies are being shared that are nowhere near the truth. Well, I, I think it's really very complicated because I, I think our understanding of the past is always in evolution. Uh, we ask different questions about the past. We look for different sources. Um, so the past is not some fixed body of information that we can just open the right drawer in the file cabinet and, and pull out. At the same time, we the past is not whatever we wish it to be. We cannot just say, remold you know, it. remold it, reinvent it. Um, we really have to wrestle with uh, its complicated uh, legacies for us. And uh, at the moment, there are people running the country who seem to want to reinvent the past and not wrestle with the history of racism, the history of sexism, um, the history of injustice and inequality, um, and what that has to do with concepts like the American dream and America being a place where people around the world have looked uh, to find freedom and opportunity. One of the things that strikes me also is that we're, we're living in a time when there's a lot of bullying going on um, and that we, we're even seeing uh, even the liberals pick up and think, well, we need to show that we're strong and so we need to be bullies mm -hmm. versus ideas and ideals that our party's been built on. Mm -hmm. um, what's the difference in your mind between bullying and agitation? That's a great question. And I think that the play does a wonderful job of showing us how two people, very different, an African-American man and a white woman, a former slave and, and the daughter of a significant landowner and farmer, how they could be passionate about what they cared about. Sometimes it overlapped and they could work together. Sometimes it pulled them in opposite directions and they fought with each other. But I think we can sit through two and a half hours of this piece of theater and not see an ounce of bullying in the, in the relationships between the two of them. Um, Frederick Douglass could have tried to leverage uh, his um, privilege as a man and as a dominant public figure, Susan B. Anthony could have tried to leverage her privilege as a white woman of a middle-class background. And yet both of them hung in there as real individuals trying to be direct and real with each other and disagreeing when they felt like disagreeing. And, and I think that's also different from this veneer of civility that particularly people in power, uh, college presidents in particular, are trying to impose to stifle disagreement, uh, dissent, and challenge. So we, we really have to dig into the past to unearth the culture of disagreement and conflict in order to be able to be real with each other to move forward into the future. As an activist, um, one wants to understand the history of activism Mm -hmm. um, and the history of the causes they, that we feel deeply about to inform as mm -hmm. well as to give a strategy. In what ways do you think that this play offers that context for us to learn from? Well, I, I think that there's this great debate, spoiler alert, but okay. there's this great <laughs> debate in the play about um, the power of words the relationship between words and action. Uh, there's some disagreement between the characters on, on these questions. Uh, there's, there's no doubt that words matter. Are they sufficient? 
uh, what kinds of actions matter, what is the relationship between a kind of utopian dreaming and a pragmatic compromising. Um, these are all questions that we can find at least food for thought um, in, in watching this play. And I think that it helps us be more aware and more intentional uh, as we try to build constructive movements to move forward today. Susan B. Anthony, from what I knew before seeing the play, was sort of honored almost as a, a demigoddess, you mm -hmm. know, of, of being able to do such wonderful things. But we got a, a, a more rich, I think, perspective of some of her challenges that she faced mm -hmm. um, and, and how she believed in supporting everyone as well as supporting the women's. Mm -hmm. uh, but her passion was to support women and women's rights and, and the potential for women. Um, but there were decisions she had to make that were pretty tough on yeah, how, how to yeah. leverage what she needed for women and yeah. disappointments. I think also that, um, you know, an issue that keeps rearing its head in the play is, is universal goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that we struggle today with identity politics and universal goals. And so how do we pay attention to people of different sexual orientations or people with mental health issues or uh, people with physical disabilities or women or workers or African-Americans or new immigrants? And how do we respect the specifics of their experiences while continuing to aim our ship uh, towards universal goals like freedom for everyone, equality and equity for everyone, the opportunity to create art or to speak. Um, how do we manage to both honor and respect the specifics and yet move towards the universals? And I think that as much as people might see the play and say, ah, the issues of sexism are still with us yeah. and the issues of racism are still with us, that's true. I mean, that's relatively obvious. It's the how do we recognize and respect the specifics of people's experiences while striving towards the achievement of universal goals? That was as much a challenge for Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass as it is for us. And the play may not give us answers, but it gives us a great opportunity to pose those questions in a productive way. I think one of the ahas for me in watching it was that Sometimes the women's movement is framed as something that happened in the 60s and 70s, you know, mm -hmm. predominantly in the 70s and and sort of lost its way. And if, when I watched the play, I realized we have less than 100 years of voting mm -hmm. and we're still in the women's movement that started in the mid 1800s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, considering that we have just been recently able to start to vote and hold office... Um, we're still babies <laughs> in terms of um, what our opportunities is as a movement for women and to support women. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a long stream of oppression, repression, discrimination on the one hand mm -hmm. faced by women, immigrants, workers, and there is a long stream, as Frederick Douglass would tell us, of resistance. And we are still in that stream. Thank you for a great segment for us to uh, start to talk about Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass in The Agitators that's playing currently at Park Square. 
Uh, We're going to be right back. And when we come back, we're going to have Matt Smart, who wrote The Agitators, join us. Also stay tuned because we're going to be giving a pair of tickets away. So stay tuned. And if you want more information, go to parksquaretheater.org. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. At Burger Moe's, Mondays no longer need to be a drag. Dine on the beautiful patio for Burger Monday Madness every Monday after 4 p.m., where you can order any burger and fries off menu for just $6. Not valid on Excel event evenings. Burger Moe's offers 20 fresh, never-frozen burger varieties, as well as delicious appetizers, soups, salads, and unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, and desserts. Located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul, with plenty of free parking, and online at BurgerMoe's.com. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Fall St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running October 12th, 13th, and 14th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have a chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 300 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 30 locations, Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. And when you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with a free transit pass. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thestpaulartcrawl.org. That's thestpaulartcrawl.org. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. Good morning and welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And as you know, on Connections, we're exploring all sorts of cool things about how to see ourselves and our community and the world around us in new and important ways. We're making the connections and we're talking about ideas that matter. I have my favorite, I shouldn't say this to all of the folks out there, but my favorite (laughs) co-host. All the other co-hosts are going to be like, oh, so he's your favorite. Um, It's a very cool partnership that we have with the Eastside Freedom Library. And the Eastside Freedom Library, their mission is to inspire solidarity, 
advocate for justice and work towards equity for all. And Peter Ratcliffe is my co-host today. Delighted to be here. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're also talking about the today the the agitators, uh, Park Square Theater, parksquaretheater.org uh, is one you should know about and go take a look at the agitators. Uh, the Park Square mission is to enrich our community by producing and presenting exceptional live theater that touches the heart engages the mind, and delights the spirit. And today we are giving away two tickets to see The Agitators. Uh, the, the night that it's for is October 19th. Uh, so it's a Friday, October 19th. And we'll take the first caller to call in to get those tickets. And the number is 952-946-6205. I'm going to give you that number again. This is a great show, and we've got free tickets for you to, to go see it. Uh, the number is 952-946-6205. And the first caller will get those tickets. And what we'll need is your name and your email and your phone number, and Park Square will uh, let you know how to pick up those tickets, and they'll have them on hold for you. So we uh, talked about in the first segment the what the play Agitator is about. It's about Frederick B. Douglass and Susan... Uh, Fred... <laughs> Tell me the middle name of Frederick. I don't think he had a middle okay, name. Okay. Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony. I, I added the B from Susan's um, into his name. And their relationship uh, for over 45 years, uh, how that was something that was new to me, that they had this wonderful friendship. And in this segment, we're going to be having Matt Smart, who is the playwright, join us. Hello, Matt. Matt, are you there? Uh, I will wait a moment and see if we can make sure to have... um, There we go. Matt was joining us. Here we go. Our producers now... Key doing, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, Lori. Hey, Peter. Good hey. morning, Matt. So, good morning. I have a few questions for you about in creating this play. Uh, you did you write the play while you were in Rochester, New York, or did you get support in Rochester, New York? Because I know that um, there was an actual production in Rochester. Yeah. So the the first time I heard about their uh, friendship was was in Rochester. I was in I was at uh, Jiva Theater Center there doing a, a different play of mine. And I took a tour of the Susan B. Anthony house and and on as sort of like a thirty second clip in the in the tour, they mentioned, oh, and, and Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass were lifelong friends and they had a big falling out over the fifteenth amendment. And moving on to the to the quilts in the next room, you know, it was just it, it was just like a small part of the tour, and I I was like, that's amazing, and so I I did a a little quick searching around, and um, you know, there's a lot about how they did have the disagreement of the Fifteenth Amendment that gave uh, black men the right to vote, but women didn't get the right to vote for another fifty years, and um, and then the one of the first things that pops up if you Google them is that that Frederick Douglass was at a women council meeting in Washington D.C in 1895 on the day that he died. Um, and he literally, when he went home, was telling his wife, Helen, about the meeting is when he had a heart attack um, and passed away. So he was, he was literally agitating for the women's cause until his, his final breath. Um, so I thought that was just really rich to try to find out how, how did they have this falling out and then how did they have this um, reconciliation. And as I, as I did more research, I found that there, there's so many peaks and values to there 
to their friendship that, you know, that uh, you dramatize in the play, but it's really a rich history that hasn't been told. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of support in Rochester um, for, for both of them. Um, you know, the, and also everyone in Rochester knows about, about their friendship. The main bridge in town is the Frederick Douglass Susan B. Anthony Bridge. They call it the Freddie Sue. <laughs> if you fly into Rochester, one terminal is the Susan B. Anthony Terminal. The other terminal is the Frederick Douglass Terminal. Um, but it's amazing that, that outside of Rochester, very few people know about their, about their friendship. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, was, I live in New York City. I was going back and forth to Rochester um, for about a year doing a bunch of research, um, in Rochester, and then um, and then writing the play both in Rochester, and New York City, and also in other places during my during my travels. Um, but yeah, I, I felt um, I mean, there's a real rich history for uh, progressive thought and agitation in Western New York in the 19th century, um, and there's a lot of stewards of that history uh, that are very helpful helpful to uh, to anyone who wants to know more about it. When we met at the play, you uh, shared with me that everything is accurate that's um, in the play. There, there's there's no riffing on something into you you have absolute documentation for for all the sentiment in the play. Um, I I so the play is all based on facts and uh, uh, and I, I do think it's very accurate. And, uh, but, but it's a time when I actually, and I hadn't felt this before, that the playwright is of use because we don't know what they said mm-hmm. behind closed doors. Sure. Um, we don't know exactly, um, what their dynamic was. We get a glimpse in letters from one another, but the, the, the reality is that, uh, in all this research, they were in the same place at the same time fighting for the same things all, you know, over, over five decades. And so... That is really exciting to me, and then it's a question: is like, okay, well, what did they, what did they say to each other? What were their, what was the basis of their, of their relationship? And that's a time when I think the dramatist can, can be helpful to history, uh, to bring it to life in a way, um, because we don't, we don't have, you know, their emails, we don't have video of them talking and, and doing radio shows and whatnot. So, so, uh, so, yeah, everything in the play is, is, is is taking all the facts and putting them together and trying to to create a a very accurate but alive story. Did you have any surprises as you were researching this? Yeah, you know, know, I I would say that um, uh, a couple of the surprises, one was uh, at the University of Rochester Special Collections Rare Books, they have uh, some unpublished letters of Susan's from late in her life. And they're just incredibly uh, emotional, heartfelt. Um, they really show a side to her that a lot of what's already published, which is more politically stilted um, letters and writings, um, it, it was just a real glimpse into the very rich, um, passionate, uh, caring uh person she was, and she sort of depicted, you know, that steely glare uh, in so many of the, the wonderful photos of her. Um, it just gave me a different side to her, and so that, that's something that really gave me permission to explore that more. And, it, and then also... Go and I'm going to have you hold on that also and, and share it with the, in the next segment. We're just coming down to the end of this segment. And I want to make sure okay. that folks know that they can go see this warm, passionate side of Susan B. Anthony at The Agitators that was written by Matt Smart, who we've heard sort of the inside uh, story of how that uh, was developed. The show is going through October 
28th, so there's still time to get tickets. And you can get tickets to go to see this by going to parksquare.org. Um, and I also want to put a shout out to the Eastside Freedom Library for all the support that they gave. And the Eastside Freedom Library is esfl.org. So we'll be right back after a few announcements and learn more about what surprised Matt. Join us on Sunday, October 21st at 1.30 p.m. at the corner of 3rd Street and Cedar Avenue South in Minneapolis. And march at 2 p.m. to say, stop endless U.S. wars. March in solidarity with the Women's March on the Pentagon taking place the same weekend in Virginia. Make your voice heard. Say no to endless war. Say no to new wars and interventions. Say yes to money for housing, education, and the environment. Say yes to the dismantling of U.S. nuclear weapons. Initiated by the Minnesota Peace Action Coalition. For further information, call 612-827-5364. Let your voice be heard Sunday, October 21st at 1.30 p.m. at the corner of 3rd Street and Cedar Avenue in Minneapolis. With your AM950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly sunny skies today with a high near 45, tonight clear with a low around 34, Saturday partly sunny with a high near 54, and Sunday partly sunny with a high around 42. Hazel's Northeast is the Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week. They have classically inspired, creatively prepared comfort food with scratch dishes rooted in over 50 years of family tradition that are hearty, healthy, and beautifully served. Hazel's Northeast is located off 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. Details at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And our show is all about exploring a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking and get us connected and get us talking about things. And this morning, we've been talking about how the Eastside Freedom Library org <laughs> Eastside Freedom Library supports um, all the terrific work in inspiring solidarity, advocating for justice, and working towards equity. Uh, and they've been a part of supporting the Park Square's production of The Agitators. And for information on The Agitators, you can go to parksquaretheater.org. Park Square's mission is to enrich the community by producing and presenting exceptional live theater that touches the heart, engages the mind, and delights the spirit. And the play Agitators does all of that and more. I want to do a quick shout out to Lynette. I'm so glad you won the tickets. Um, we're delighted that you're going to see the show. You're going to love it. Um, we cut you off, Matt, because I was coming down to the end of my second segment, and you were talking to us about things that surprised you when you were writing this play about Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. Tell me that other yeah, so aha. <laughs> on the other side of it, with, with Frederick, a thing that was I found very surprising, there's a, a great Frederick Douglass scholar named John Stauffer out of... Uh, Harvard, who actually was a consultant, uh, read the script, gave me notes, uh, really, really helped me on the journey. And he he's written a, a, a lot about how Frederick Douglass in the 1850s teamed up with some radical abolitionists um, and uh, who were both black and white men. And they really tried to break down, they, they had talks about the dream of society and breaking down the, the dichotomies in, in Western life, breaking down the barriers between black and white rich and poor, sacred and profane, man and woman. Garrett Smith, a white abolitionist, said, man is woman and woman is man. And so uh, so there was a lot of very progressive, uh, exciting conversations that Douglas was a part of that I think, I think that um, that isn't even necessarily in some of his speeches that kind of 
um, breaking down of, of, of barriers of traditional barriers. And so, so that was a, that was a, gave me permission. I feel like to, to really, uh, let Susan and Frederick have a type of, of, of conversations between one another that I, uh, I think was, um, was kind of revolutionary, uh, for the time and, um, and even today. And Peter Ratcliffe, who is our co-host today and who is also the executive, the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library, um, has a question for you. And the dramaturg. For oh, the dramaturg. The that's right. That's, that's right. right. That's right. A great honor and opportunity. So, um, Matt, in your recounting of the first surprise, finding these Susan B. Anthony letters in the archive that had not yet been published and what they revealed about her, um, I'm very struck as, as to how much of the play takes us into intimate private spaces where, as you say, there's no recording, no written evidence, no video. Uh, you've had to imagine some of those interactions. And I think of the, the wave of women's activist autobiographies in the early 20th century – uh, Emma Goldman, Voltaire Declare, Isadora Duncan, um, Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, and and the very for us often frustrating way that they carved off the personal side, the private side of their lives, and kept it out of the text uh, that they wrote. And I think of the second wave women's movement of the 60s and 70s and the lesson that that movement taught all of us that the personal is political. And, and I think your use of art, uh, your writing this dramatic script, situating so much of the play in intimate private spaces is a way of taking this insight of the more modern women's movement that the personal is political and using that insight as a lens uh, through which to look at the relationship between these two movements uh, for emancipation and suffrage and between these two individuals. So I'm not sure there's a question there, Matt, but I couldn't resist making the point at least. Well, I have a question that will be part of that. And the two scenes that meant a lot to me that were very intimate were putting the um, the blankets out when uh -huh. the um, Underground Railroad folks were going to be arriving and then the baseball scene. Those are two that I, I thought were very well, touching. Well, we're going to spoil the whole play, uh -huh. but let's also mention and the scene with the bucket of water and yeah. – her bare feet and yeah. his wrist. Yeah. So, Matt, anything you want to respond to? Yeah. Well, I, I think. Um, uh, thank you for all that. I, uh, you know, the the quote at the very beginning of the play that Frederick Douglass said, "We have to do the past only as we can make it useful to the present, to the future." I really took that as my uh, guiding principle for the play, and how how do we take what they what their relationship was and apply it to now, because I think we can hear their words more clearly than we hear potentially with the words of, 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 con of our contemporaries. Um, and so, uh, you know, I did try to, and, and we have their speeches, you know, and so I, at first the play had their speeches, had things that they said, there was moments when they break out, and, and I was like, we have that, we don't need that in this play, right. what we need is the behind-the-scenes kind of look, and I, and I really kind of think of them as these two prize fighters who just would not go down. Mm -hmm. They, uh, they both lived, uh, you know, a long, a long time for the time. And, um, 
and they and they had injuries from their agitation, and that's that's one thing. Yeah, in the scene when she's soaking her feet, he's he's soaking his wrist. Uh, both injuries that happen, uh, you know, in their fight for for um, to make you know America a, a country for all. Um, so I, I did try to get you know into into all that because we don't we don't have that in the in in the books. But like every everything I found led to like that that is a kind of rich. Um, you know, personal friendship that they that they would have. You know that that Susan's uh, family was very close friends with the Douglases for many years. One of the things that I loved in having the scene where they both have their their feet or their arm and their elbow in the water, it set up that they were had a very you know, it was fine to touch each other and and be in sort of this intimate space. And yet, in public, when she put her hand in the on him when she was trying to reassure how that. Um, what was the public side that they had to adhere to in the times was very powerful. Uh, great, yeah, and I, I um, you know, I love uh, dramatizing their uh, their friendship because everything I read about them said that they were completely captivating speakers. They were completely uh, magnetic, charismatic. They were leaders of movements, and you know, everyone you couldn't you couldn't help but look at them and listen to them when they walk into a room, and then you've got two people like that together, uh-huh. you know? And so I just thought that was, there's going to be sparks and uh, all, all the different levels of those sparks is what I wanted to explore. Yeah. Uh, and, and that public side, when she did touch him, that created, um, you know, such angst that, that he could not stay there. And that, that was powerful to get sort of a window into history of what it meant to be friends during that time. Um, what it meant to be friends as a man and a woman, and what it meant to be friends with both um, in a, a white and black during the mid 1800s. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fr- their friendship itself was an agitation uh, mm-hmm. publicly to many. Mm-hmm. So, b- before we run out of time, I do want to make sure we ask you, Matt, um, how, what do you think is different about the Park Square production? from the first production of the play in Rochester? You know, um, one thing I love, so I, I do want to give a shout out to our wonderful director, Signe, and the actors, Emily and Mikkel, who are doing amazing, you know, did amazing work and continue to do amazing work um, on the Park Square stage. And, uh, you know, I, I love how Signe brought in some of the more mo- the modern sounds of agitation, like we've got hands up, don't shoot. Um, you know, I call for my, for contemporary music in the script um, because a lot of the agitators of today are our musicians, and so um, I think Signe brought in like a really great uh, richness um, in other ways of how there's uh, agitation happening today. But one thing that I that I just love about this production that I think captures the spirit of the piece is uh, down the street from the Susan B. Anthony house is a beautiful sculpture called Let's Have Tea, and it's of, of Susan and Frederick having tea together in this park <laughs> and it's by this uh sculptor named uh Pepsi Ketabong and he um he wanted to he he said I got to interview him and he said he'd, he he didn't want to do pedestal art he wanted them to be approachable uh ki- you know kids so kids can come and sit on them but they're still bronze you know mm-hmm. they're accessible but they're still titans and so I feel like this production really does that well I think that Emily and Mikkel really capture moments where we see the, the fire and the thunder of, of these two great agitators, and yet 
they take them down off the pedestal, and they're so raw. I mean, the scene when like Frederick puts his head in Susan's lap—it's so shocking and so exciting. And, and and so I just think they really get into the vulnerability um, and make them human in a way that I think is really exciting. One last question I want to have for you um, is about the whole issue of having a good, healthy debate uh, and and how there was perhaps a time where that healthy debate um, is not as good as it is now in being able to have healthy debates. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, in, in the end, the play, there's a, a line in the play, how do we stay in the room with the people we hate and who hate us? Um, and And I think that Back then, there was just a healthier discourse and uh, ability to, to disagree and not um, sort of mean um, uh, that, you know, if I disagree with you, then you're, uh, you're subhuman or, you know, Demonized, I can't even be in the yeah. same room as you. Yeah. And I, I just think that the, the partisanship of right now is, uh, is, is, is very scary to me. And I think that we can look to Susan and Frederick and their fights that they had in the 19th century and really see how they stayed... They stayed with each other. They stayed uh, in the room, in the arena, battling. And uh, uh, I think that's just a really important message now that uh, I hope the play, I hope the play conveys. They both disappointed each other. Uh, yet there was mm-hmm. never an instant that they didn't deeply care about each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and and, and that's the that's the problem with politics is you have the ideal. And then you have what's attainable. And, and when do you compromise and when do you dig in your heels? And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to, to share, I, I, uh, Laura, you told me that the next segment you're going to talk about, uh, you know, how do you agitate today? And so one thing that inspired me about learning about Susan and Frederick was just, just how much they have their fingerprints on our Constitution, on these amendments, and, and just, just how empowered they can make us feel and, and make us realize that if there's a problem in this country, if there's something we think is unjust, we, we can change the Constitution. We can amend it. It's a, it's a living uh, document. And so one, one quote I want to share, because I'm, I have my mug of coffee with me from the Women's Rights National Historic Park in Seneca Falls, and on the back they have a quote from Margaret Mead, which is, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And I think those are great words and great, uh, you know, that's the spirit of, of Frederick and Susan and uh, something they can teach us today. And I think it's also important as we're going into the midterm elections to know that we do have the power and we can make changes and the government should be working for us. And if it's not working for us, we need to put folks in that do work for us and that will be willing to look at what the needs are for all. So thank you, Matt, so much for being with us today and for giving us this beautiful play. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much. Have a great day and we look forward to talking to you soon. And we'll be right back. We're going to be talking about agitating in today's world. So stay tuned as we continue to talk about what's up at the Eastside Freedom Library. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shambot from Shambot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. 
we always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth. Call today. We're open early and late and Saturdays to fit your schedule. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. I'm Connie Bjork, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind-body-spirit-emotion perspective. Join us next Saturday for a double infusion of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. At 10, you'll get a glimpse of who we are and what our show is all about. At 11, we'll give you new perspectives on stress and how it affects you. Let us help you infuse vitality into your life. Thank you, Minnesota, for helping family-owned Warner Stellion become one of the most respected appliance sellers in the U.S. We believe the best way to thank you is with unbeatable savings. Now through October 15th, get free installation from our trusted specialists on select Bosch and KitchenAid dishwashers. Or save hundreds on a new kitchen suite. We'll help you find just the right one to complement your style. These and hundreds more unbeatable deals await you through October 15th. Exclusively from Minnesota's own appliance specialist, Warner Stellion. Fall in Minnesota is a time for comfort. Comfort foods, comfy sweaters. You can keep your home comfortable, too, with a new high-efficiency furnace from Standard Heating. If you get one in October, you can also enjoy at least $1,300 in savings. That'd buy a lot of pumpkin spice lattes. Learn more about saving $1,300 on your new furnace at standardheatingdeals.com. Don't wait. This sale ends October 31st. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Comfort you deserve. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori Fitz, and we have Peter Reckliff as my co-host from the Eastside Freedom Library. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Lori. I'm delighted to be here. And you are also the dramaturg for yes, The for Agitators. The yes, that, and it's currently playing at Park Square Theater. You can go to Park Square Theater to get more information by going to parksquaretheater.org. Agitators are playing through October 28th. It is a fabulous play, uh, one very much worth seeing before the show ends, and I want to encourage you to go um, and get agitated. And another way to get agitated, um, as Matt alluded to in our last segment, we always like to inspire people to think about doing something. And at the Eastside Freedom Library, they agitate using art. And the first thing that I want to be able to promote for you guys to be thinking about is a uh, Monday night, this Monday night coming up, the program is on sensible gun reform. And it's driven by um, a a woman artist. And I want you to tell me a little bit more about that, Peter. Sure. Um, Melanie Bethke is an experienced local artist uh, who was first moved by the Million Women's March a year ago to create art. She went to Washington, came back, and created a major installation in response to it. And then in the last year was moved by the incidents of gun violence, particularly the Parkland, Florida 
incident and the response of young people there. And Melanie created this art exhibit about sensible gun reform. Uh, has brought in the work of two other uh, artists as well, and is seeking to generate public discussion about what is sensible gun reform and how do we realize it. And so we have a panel discussion this coming Monday evening at 7 at the Eastside Freedom Library. We'll be sitting facing Melanie's art, uh, but we'll be hearing from people from people who have experienced gun violence, people who belong to community organizations wrestling with it, and state legislators who are trying to understand the possibilities. So you'll have policymakers there. Yes, right. Terrific. Citizen activists and policymakers. On Sunday, you've got some pretty exciting things coming up. Sunday, October 21st, um, up through the concrete and this is Ending a War on Trees. So this is uh, art, uh, music, jazz, and looking at ecology. Tell me about the connection between well, that. this is another example of an artist coming to us at the Eastside Freedom Library saying, I want to do something unusual uh, using my art, and I want to generate a public discussion that involves citizen activists. And so Todd Harper, who is a well-known local pianist, Working with Jun Miyake, a New York-based Japanese uh, flautist and clarinetist, and the wonderful Douglas Ewart, uh, who is a major figure in the local uh, free jazz improvised music scene, uh, have created a series of concerts. We will be hosting the last in that series, and it will be immediately followed by a panel discussion with people that Todd and I are calling citizen environmentalists, people from MN350, uh, people from Frogtown Farms, uh, people who are wrestling with environmental issues in communities of color in urban neighborhoods. So we want to think about what is the relationship between creative music and ecology. And Todd is himself the son of a high school biology teacher um, who has been as interested in our environment as he has in music uh, over a lifetime. So that's Sunday afternoon, October 21 at 4. And that's uh, at no cost. At no cost, right, at the Eastside Freedom Library. The next day you've got another event. Right. We're thrilled that Tusek Lee, who is a well-known uh, Hmong spoken word artist and poet, known in part for the wonderful work that he did with his grandmother um, in, in her work and his work uh, weaving together, received a Bush Fellowship a year ago, uh, to spend three months in Southeast Asia uh, visiting Hmong communities, diasporic Hmong communities in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam, and to come back and incorporate those experiences into his art. And so he's going to take us on a kind of spoken word travelogue. Um, we're going to see images of his visits and the people that he met, and we're going to hear how he's incorporating it into the next stage of his creative work. So that's Monday night, October 22nd at 7, and that too uh, is free. And, and then, you know, what is really kind of a culmination of this work, um, on Friday night, the 26th of October, we will be unveiling an art project called Human Proof Fence, inspired by the early uh, 21st century Australian film 
rabbit-proof fence about three aboriginal girls who escaped from a boarding school. Um, and we have, with the help of uh, the Marbrook Foundation, we have convened five artists who are members of immigrant and refugee communities who have created visual art about the experiences of dislocation, confinement, and resettlement. Uh, two of them are Karen women weavers. One is a Japanese-American photographer. One is a Hmong muralist. One is a Latinx visual artist. And they've been in a series of conversations, often facilitated by translators, um, over the course of the summer and into the fall. And we will be opening their exhibit on Friday night, October 26th. And then we'll have some more discussion of their work as we move into the month of November. So we see art as a great vehicle uh, for bridge building between communities and for the kind of agitation that Matt Smart and Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony and Signe Haraday um, are making possible for us to see on the stage at Park Square Theater. I think one of the common denominators to all of what you were saying is really the sense of story. Um, we learn when we go to see the Park Square, the agitators, we learn more of the backstory of uh, Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. But you also bring to life stories of what's happening in the East Side community as well as really bridging community, um, region, and national and international all through the power of story. And, and to provide inspiration to people that their stories matter and that they should tell their stories to the rest of us. And creating a community that allows for conversation about the story. Not only should they tell, but how can we really talk about it? And, and does that create more connections for ourselves to be thinking in new ways? I think a lot of us who are transplants to Minnesota, and I've lived here almost 40 years, but I'm you know, not a Minnesotan by birth, uh -huh. we often kind of smugly think about this thing called Minnesota nice and, and think that that dominates both the private and public spheres. And I think our experience at the Eastside Freedom Library is that that's a myth, mm -hmm. that our neighbors are willing to have difficult conversations with each other. Mm -hmm. And as Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony say, to stay in the room with each other. So with that, I want to encourage our audience to take a look at the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. I know we ran through a lot of events coming up, so you can take a look at all of the cool things coming up in the next few weeks. Our next show that we're doing with the Eastside Freedom Library is going to be November 3rd, and we're going to be talking about the vote. So stay tuned for that as well. You're listening to The Connections Radio Show on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Mm -hmm.